So I'd like to say some more words about uh, love and specifically metta, which is the word that we more normally use in this teaching for love, metta being um, a word the Buddha used comes from the Sanskrit maitri, which means friendship, friendliness. So, um, so I'll speak about both. So, metta in the in this context uh, that the Buddha used it is the capacity of the heart to. Um, have that unconditional regard, friendliness, goodwill, warmth, care, well, for oneself, for others equally, for all life. So it's the 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 way the Buddha referred to it was was the, the sort of the the wider dimension of the heart that really has this boundless capacity to feel loving care for everything, all life, starting with ourselves, with others, with the world, with people we like, people we don't like, that we have the capacity, as, as you know, there are many people who maybe we know or have heard of who embody that quality, that, that, that really seem to be able to dwell in the heart and have the strength of heart to feel that goodwill. Uh, so that's sort of the um, the um, the possibility. Just like awakening is our possibility, is the possibility for us. So there was a great teacher in this tradition who passed away some years ago, Deepama, who was um, uh, studied with. Uh, um, I forget his name. Um, great teacher <laughs> in the lineage, <laughs> Manindraji, uh, Indian man. Um, anyhow, she came to the Dharma, she uh, was married uh, and lost uh, her son, her firstborn, which in that culture has even more import and she lost her husband and was in tremendous grief and distress and completely torn apart um, by, the, by her losses. And she um, crawled her way to the monastery, so the story goes, and crawled up the steps. She was so weak and, and, and exhausted from grief and um, took refuge in, in, in the teachings and the practice and this teacher and learned to meditate and um, ended up having tremendous uh, skill and depth in meditation and became this very, very wise, awakened woman. And um, the story goes, she was asked, I think Jack asked her actually, he said, said, you know, because she had these amazing qualities and amazing gifts and talents and psychic abilities and uh, tremendous heart. And he said, what's in your mind? What's it like to live in, in, in over there? You know, like, 
it's the kind of thing you want to ask someone who's really awake, like, what's it like over there? Like, what's, you know, what's it like in there, you know? <laughs> um, and she said, there are three things in my heart. Um, peace, concentration, and metta, love. Three qualities that remain. Peace, concentration, steadfast mind, and love. And there's lovely stories of her being uh, touching you know, many, many people. And she moved back into, she lived in a, in a <coughs> I think it could technically be called a slum in, in Calcutta. And um, in, a, in a very crowded tenement building in this teeny little apartment. And um, over the years, as people came to know that this really enlightened woman was living in the midst, the, 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 the building before she moved back in was full of strife and conflict and neighbors quarreling and bickering and arguing. And, and over the years, the, the building came to have this very beautiful, um, amicable, peaceful, harmonious vibe from her presence, so, so we're told. So um, I'm saying that because the, 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 that capacity of the heart is possible for all of us, you know, through practice, through intention, through doing our own work, through looking at what blocks, what causes our heart to shut down. And just like that poem that I read by Washani, you know, when we go into the shattered, the broken, the difficult places, we can encounter that which is unshatterable, that which is unbroken, that which is beyond all the various joys and sorrows that we go through in our lives. So the poet Hafez puts it in the poem about the sun. He says, um, The sun never says to the earth, you owe me. The sun, beaming, sunlight, never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens to a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. Look what happens to a love like that. It lights up the whole sky. Look what happens to a love that's so generous and non-demanding. It lights up the whole sky. So matter is this quality that's non-demanding, that's not expecting anything back. And we all know that. We've tasted this. It's our, it's our heart's nature. We have this potential. And we've, we've, you know, at times, you know, we'll feel, you know, we'll be with somebody, a loved one or a stranger, and we might be, you know, they might be in distress. They may have fallen down in the road. Who knows the situations we come across? And, or a child or you know, maybe someone we don't like. And we, you know, we come across them and our heart grows to this capacity where we feel Tremendous care, or even just in this exercise, maybe you're feeling tremendous love for this person who was telling you, or a complete stranger, all the difficult places that it's hard for them to be present, and you're feeling just an openness, or a tenderness, or a warmth, or compassion, or an empathy. Yeah, so we have this potential that um, a friend of mine puts it, met in this way. He says it's expressed as, I don't want anything from you and I want everything for you. I don't want anything from you, but I want
everything for you. That's from Vin Marty, dance teacher. Another short poem, line from Hafez, Sufi poet, he writes, We are people who need to love because love is the soul's life. Love is simply creation's greatest joy. We are people who need to love. It's the nature of our heart to want to love, to be loving, express love, to feel love, to give love. And when that's not happening in our lives, it feels really dry or empty or lacking in some way. It's regardless of whether we're in relationship or not. It's whether whether our heart is alive with this giving and receiving of love. So, so the, there's, the, there's the vast potential of the heart to love unconditionally, and then there's this, the simple way that we're kind, that we're caring, that we're respectful, that we're generous, that we're giving of our hearts, of ourselves in some way, that we're um, attuned, we're empathic. And that happens every day. And you know, the, the, we lubricate, the world is lubricated by the kindness. <laughs> I'm reading this great this great book Shantaram. Anybody read Shantaram? It's a great book about the man living in India, who was a convict, escaped from Australia, and, and moved into the Bombay slums. Twenty-five thousand people in one square mile in this particular slum. One square mile is not very big, and um, uh, he talked about how the, the you know if that was you know Sydney or San Francisco that. You know, 25,000 people in a square mile, we'd be killing each other. You know? But he said the, the fabric of, the, you know, of that community was, was sewn together and lubricated with love. That if there wasn't the presence of love, people would kill. People would just, it's just so intense. People on top of each other, living in shacks, living in shanties. So, so we can connect, we can maybe reflect on this ordinary everyday goodness, this ordinary everyday kindness. We all have it, we all express it in different ways. There's like another great poem I love from Hafez, I just remembered, I haven't shared this for a long time. Um, who, uh, there's a story of this, um, so this great Sufi teacher and the student comes and he's had all these visions of God and his mystical experiences and he wants his teachers have his to con, you know, confirm them and validate them and um, to see, you know to see if they're true and what Hafez has to say about them and Hafez listens and says mm, that's very interesting tell me how many goats do you have he knows the guy's a farmer he says oh, I have 43 goats and some chickens and... but you know you ask me about goats, I'm telling you about my visions of God. And and uh, I says, yeah. And then he proceeds to ask him a bunch of questions. You know, is, are his parents still alive? And how are they? Does he take care of them? And does he feed the birds in winter? And does he take care of his livestock well? And the man answers all the questions and still a bit bemused because he's wanting to talk about his visions of God. And, and Hafez says, these uh, visions of God true if they make you more kind and more caring to every creature and every person that you meet. That these mystical experiences have to bear fruit in our lives in a real way in terms of expressing kindness and care and connection and love. 
Otherwise, they're just an abstract um, mystical experience that has no relationship to how we are and who we are. And these deep spiritual experiences in their maturity, in their fullness, in their ripeness, have to transform who we are. Otherwise, they're just nice experiences that come and go. Just like nice TV shows and you know, nice you know, concerts or whatever. You know. Unless they transform us in some way, then they're just that. They're just pleasant experiences. So to ask that of ourselves, you know, to ask... How do we live in this world? How do we express kindness? Where does our heart flow with warmth and care and love? And where do we close up, contract out of fear, out of envy, out of habit, out of separation, out of just being obsessed with my life and what's important for me and self-centeredness? There's a great line from Anais Nin, the writer, who says, And the day came when the risk it took... (laughs) I always get this one confused. The day came when when the risk it took to blossom was greater than the risk it took to hide. Something like that. Sorry, Anais. <laughs> that, you know, there are times when we see that it, it becomes more painful to stay closed and contracted and in our own little world than to extend ourselves, extend our heart, extend our generosity, our love. So, and to take some time to reflect on, on, on what, what is this experience of love or loving-kindness or metta or... <coughs> compassion. What is this for you? What, what's your experience of it? What's your, how do you know it when it arises? In the body, in the heart, towards yourself, towards another, towards life. to see how it can transform us. Or when we're in the loving presence of another or when we're receiving love, what does that feel like? It's softening, it's melting, it's relaxing, it's soothing, it's opening, it's warming, it's generous. It helps to soften that we we get so hard and constricted and contracted and our own little bubbles, bumping into all the other little bubbles, you know. Hard edges, don't cross my space, don't touch my boundary, don't, you know, touch my stuff, and leave me alone, and, you know, and then we f- wonder why we're feeling sort of painful and contracted, because we feel so separate, you know, which is really more of a feeling and a construct than a reality, we're actually deeply interconnected. But the mind, the egoic mind, keeps us in this sort of fearful bubble a lot of the time. 
so and to reflect on that this quality is not as far from us as we seem to think it is sometimes. So when we develop metta, compassion, as a practice, to not think that we're bringing something from the outside in, but just learning how to warm up the the fires, the embers of the heart that are already there. We all know how to love. We all know how to be kind. We've all experienced that. We wouldn't be alive if we hadn't had love and presence and kindness. It's what makes us thrive as human beings. No matter how difficult our childhood was, there was was some presence of kindness and love. Otherwise, you wouldn't survive as an infant. So we know that in ourselves. And we're learning to bring that forth in in ourselves, in our practice, into our awareness practice. So there's a story that Tibetan teacher shares of walking down the high street with your bag of groceries and you, you know, you're busy getting home and you bump into somebody, you drop your, your groceries spill on the floor and you're really mad, you're just about to turn around and bite the other person's head off and you notice they're also got bag of groceries and they're on the floor and they're blind. And you're just about to say, what, are you blind or something? Oh, you are blind. Okay. And then suddenly you, oh, can I help? Are you okay? It's very easy, sometimes very easy for us to snap out of that self-centered concern and shift perspective. You know? <coughs> the the um, the cartoon um, cartoonist, what's his name? The Far Side, Gary Larson, um, has this really cute cartoon of uh, uh, the devil, uh, Satan, in hell. And he's sort of tending his big fiery fires. And, um, and there's a bunch of new recruits coming in from hell, coming into hell. And, and, and Satan's coming out to meet them and he's shouting, and his mom's there. And he's shouting, Mom, no, no, don't, don't do that. And on the, the caption underneath it says, um, in spite of his repeated attempts to dissuade her, Satan could never persuade his mother from not offering milk and cookies to the accursed. <laughs> so she's there with a little tray, cookies and milk. <laughs> that's, that's us, like, you know, despite our best efforts, we can't help but bringing forth kindness, you know, just spills out of us at times. You know? it's, and it's too good to remember that. It's like, oh yeah, that is part of who I am. And maybe this other stuff, all the stuff that we're used to focusing on, the negative stuff, the deficient stuff. And we have this you know, innate goodness, this innate warmth. And you know, the Buddha and Buddhist teachers ever since have been reminding us, you know, to remember your true nature, your Buddha nature, his goodness, his, his purity. You came in, just think how you came into this world as a young infant, you know, open, present, loving, beaming, radiant, you know, and then we have you know, our conditioning and things happen and become less open and all of that. But that's there. It's our nature. It's, it's, it's who you are in your essence. Goodness. Kind. The Buddha says, you know, to remember that you, you, you of all the people in the world are as, as more deserving of your own love than anybody else. It has to start here. <coughs> 
what has to develop here. There's a, there's a, this is um, a line from Nisargadatta Maharaj. He says, be true to your own self. Love yourself absolutely. Do not pretend that you love others as yourself. Unless you have realized them as one with yourself, you cannot fully love them. Don't pretend to be what you are not. Don't refuse to be what you are. So he's speaking to this potential of love, the power of love to, to in a way, kind of blast through the construct or the illusion that our mind creates that we're all separate. There's a very strong belief in, in the way the mind, the ego mind operates that we separate everything out, discrete, me, you, mind, body, bell, me, and you, and all these different people. Right? This is my car, and it's my space, and you need a passport to get over my little you know, empire here. And, you know. and then when we, when we have a wave of feeling, a sense of love, that all dissolves. We feel, this, we feel that rigid edges soften, melting, and we feel more what connects us what unites us, what, what resonates within us, than what separates us. Yeah? But the mind more lives in separation. And so we need to be reminded and reminded to, of, that, of that reality, that we're not as separate and as discreet and as isolated as we think we are. And one of the doorways to this is through um, through the practice, the practice of metta, there's the practice of awareness, and there's a practice of compassion. And they're all related. So this is Danny Goldman. He says, the act of compassion begins with full attention, just as rapport does. You have to really see the person. If you see the person, then naturally empathy arises. If you tune into the other person, you feel with them. If empathy arises and if that person is in dire need, then empathic concern can come. You want to help them, and then that begins a compassionate act. So I'd like to say that compassion begins with attention, which is really where we started the day from. They're all, rela- they're all related, they're all entwined, they're not separate things. The other doorway is through... Uh, the way the heart opens when we go into our pain and suffering. When we don't turn from ourselves, when we don't turn from the distress, from the stress, from the anxiety, from the fears, from the inadequacies, from the deficiencies, from all the stuff that we feel that we may be shared, all those things that we talked about, tell me something that's hard to be with, right? And you all had seemed like there was plenty of noise in the room. <laughs> there was a long list of things that are hard to be with, right? The more that we practice opening, softening, feeling, allowing, accepting those things, the more heart, in a way, has to soften, softens into. Right? So the difference between just being with, seeing them, being with them, and then actually softening, allowing them, and, and accepting, including them, loving them even, feeling the, 
tenderness you feel for yourself because of the pain of them, right? that's a very powerful transformative act in that moment. That's why mindfulness is so transformational because we are able to at times shift our perspective, our usual perspective, which is, you know, not, which is rejecting that which is difficult and hard to be with and saying, no, I can be with this, I can open to this, I can allow this, oh, and it's a doorway into something deeper, into a deeper love and acceptance of ourselves and therefore with others. So I wrote this poem not so long ago about this theme called Descent into Love. Who would have known that to burrow into your own shadow, to step gently into those dungeons that hide their forbidding secrets and sore and tender memories that you've spent a lifetime avoiding and running from, would be the very passageway that begins with a crack, a hairline splinter in the rock that lets in a warm ray of light that leads you down and down into the fleshy room of your heart and begins to soften that house that has been vacant for years, filling it with a sweetness, an unimaginable openness, where the hard boundaries that separated you for so long from the rigid edges of your world become porous, almost dissolved, and your skin becomes so thin it starts to feel every impression of this harsh and welcoming life. That's when you come to know the other like your own, and that's where it begins. The love you've waited for starts moving like the breath, no longer making distinction between inside and outside. And that's when you can't help but fall in love with everything. So it starts by going into the shadows and the dungeons that hide their forbidding secrets, the hard, difficult places that invite us down and down into the cracks, into the, into the fiery pit where before was darkness, and then it allows some shift in the heart, some openness, some sweetness, and we come into a kind of union with ourselves rather than holding ourselves at a distance. And out of that softness, when, when the, the rigid edges of our own self dissolve, then less boundary, there's more connectivity, there's more, oh, there's a world out there I don't have to be so afraid of. Less fear here, less fear out there. It's it's an equation. So we'll do some meta practice in a minute. And we will start with ourselves is often a challenging place to start. But that's also where we need it. And, um, and then we'll extend that out. Uh, actually, and we can, let me just see. Don't get ready for sitting, because we might not be sitting yet. Um, no, we're not going to sit yet. I haven't finished with you yet. <laughs> So, um, hmm. 
share one last thing before we do something. There's a great line from the uh, Christian mystic Thomas Merton, who's reflecting in his journal. Um, about this, you know, this prison of separation that we feel. And uh, I forget exactly what he says, but the end of what he says in this, this monologue about that if we really saw clearly things as they are, we saw people as they are, then we would all fall down and worship each other. If we really could see clearly the beauty in, in ourselves and others, you know, we would bow down and worship each other. We would bow down at the feet of the sparrow and the wren and the budding irises that are coming up and the children. And that there's so much beauty and to be loved in this world. This is another way of putting it. This is from Nisargadatta again, who is a very great teacher, is the author of I Am That, and the great religious text of the last century. He said, When you know beyond all doubt that the same life flows through all that is, and you are that life, you will love all naturally and spontaneously. When you realize the depth and fullness of the love of yourself, you know that every living being and the entire universe are included in your affection. So this, this, this opening, this is why I emphasized this morning, this turning to ourselves with a kind presence is the doorway. It's like my experience is we go in, we go through the doorway of ourselves, we meet fully what's here, and it's sort of like, and then it just dissolves the walls when we go out. That's how I experience it. But it starts with meeting this. And start with meeting this, but it's supported by meeting this. It can also be supported by meeting that. But we have a lot of work to do in here. And the more work that we do in here, the less separation and the more connection there is. So um, so I want us to do an exercise.